Hello and welcome to the Hope Midtown Podcast. We are so glad that you could tune in. You are about to listen to our latest sermon from this past Sunday. We hope that you are blessed and this word ministers to you. For more information, visit our Instagram page at Hope Midtown. That is H-O-P-E-M-I-D-T-O-W-N, Hope Midtown. Now, here's our latest sermon. And one of the things that we've been exploring, because a couple of weeks ago we talked about hope. Last week we talked about peace. Uh, This week we're talking about this theme of joy. Can I hear you say joy? You know, and I think in many ways New York does Christmas so well. If you've walked by Fifth Avenue, anyone done that yet? The lights, the pageantry, the Christmas tree. I mean, we do Christmas well. And uh, we do it in such a way that, yeah, let, let us show you how extravagant and beautiful and awe-inspiring this is. But really what's, what's so fascinating about the Christmas story is even these things like hope and peace and joy and love that we'll talk about next week, they're these intangible things that oftentimes at the end of the day when life is going well and is happy clappy, like that's when these things often emerge in anyone's life, whether you're religious or you're not. But what does it look like for us in the midst of difficult times? Is hope possible when it feels like I'm hopeless? Is peace possible when I'm wandering in the desert? And and that also begs the question, is joy possible when I've been through grief and suffering? Now, last week, check out this passage that talks about the joy that's offered to us. Uh, Luke chapter 2, this was preached on last week, right? And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy. Can I hear you say great joy? This mega type of joy, right? That will be for all the people today in the town of David. A savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Now, isn't this interesting? Because one of the things that we talked about last week is this message that comes to these shepherds. It actually comes during a time of occupation and oppression that the Israelites are under, under the hand of Rome. So if you could imagine, there's news, there's this idea that good news of great joy has come to you in the midst of what, maybe when you're going through a time when you feel incredible anxiety about the future when you're going through a time of suffering and difficulty. But one of the things that we talked about is the story of Israel is replete with these kinds of stories. Stories of enslavement, of exodus, of wandering, of conflict, of captivity and exile, of occupation, right? Like the story of Israel is constantly a story of pain and loss. Now, wouldn't it be amazing, though, if the kind of hope that we're looking for, if the kind of peace that we're looking for, the kind of joy that every single one of us long for, Whether you're a Christian or you're not, because you're a human being, these intangible things that could be available to us. And here in the Christmas story, the angel appears to these shepherds and says, I bring you good news of great joy. This joy is available to you. Now, what's crazy is in another historical account of the Christmas story, check out what it says. And this was the passage that was read to us by Solomon. Check it out. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph, who's uh, the father of Jesus or the husband-to-be of Mary, Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Now, why escape to Egypt when you're in Bethlehem? Stay there until I tell you. For Herod, now Herod was King Herod, who under the Roman government was a king over the, the Judean area. And so Herod was someone who had this power under the, he was like a puppet governor under Rome, but yet he had this place. Of esteem. Now, rumors had started that Herod felt threatened, and the reason why was because rumors had started that this king of the Jews was to be born, this person named Jesus. 
And, and so Herod feels threatened. And look at what happens in the story. Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. Why? Because he's threatened. He wants to annihilate any kind of competition he has over his influence and his power. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so it was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod, oh, can we go back to the other passage? When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Like, isn't this crazy? The Christmas story is also a story where there's a genocide that happens over boys in Bethlehem under the age of two. And look at what it says. Then that was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. Again, I think in the pageantry of Christmas, we can often miss out on the stories of what was actually happening during that time. Can you imagine this widespread cry that comes from the children and the families of Israel because of Herod and his insecurity? And it's in moments like these that the news has basically come. I bring you good news of great joy. Great joy. How in the world can I have joy when there's grief and sorrow? And I think that's one of the questions that every single one of us as human beings face. Now, like I said, the the people and the story of Christian faith has never been a story that Christian joy that's available to us means the absence of suffering. But rather, here's what these stories show us. It shows us that Christian joy is actually offered to us in the midst of suffering. That somehow we have this integrated life as human beings where we were able to integrate both grief and joy together. And this is the kind of life that God offers to us. Now, that's why the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, check, that, check out what he writes. Um, he writes, and now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace God has given to the Macedonian churches. So he's writing as an early follower of Jesus. And look at what he says. In the midst of a very severe trial, <laughs> he doesn't say, this is the grace that's given to the Macedonians, that they didn't have any severe trials. No, he says, in the midst of a very severe trial, they're overflowing, there's that word again, joy, kara. There it is. Overflowing joy and their extreme poverty. Wait a minute. You mean being a Christian doesn't mean that I'm going to get rich all of a sudden? No. You see, he talks about a joy that's irrespective of how much I own, of my wealth, of whatever good times or trials that I'm facing, and their extreme poverty, welled up in rich generosity. Now, isn't that interesting how Paul can write and he can describe the church and he basically says, I want you to know about this joy that's available, this joy that even in the midst of severe trial, even in the midst of overwhelming extreme poverty, that somehow this joy is available. A joy that the world cannot give, a joy that the world does not know. <laughs> because here's the thing, when it comes to joy and when it comes to grief, I can approach life in such a manner where I can muster up my own joy, but you and I know that the human spirit is so fickle. Okay, so maybe I depend on someone else and their joy, and their joy becomes my joy, but you and I know, right, that people, and just as I am fickle about myself, other people are extremely fickle as well and how they can encourage or how they can discourage. So what kind of joy that transcends humans, that transcends geography, that transcends time can be available to us? You see, and it's this kind of joy that Christian joy is to offer. 
Uh, today we're going to hear stories from three folks from our community um, who are going to share their own story of grief and loss, who in many respects they might still even be in the midst of this grief and loss. But what does it look like to have joy in these circumstances? So if you guys would join me in welcoming up Ryan and Laura Harrison and Cleo Sang, can you guys give it up to these guys? Guys, thanks for being here. I thought maybe we could just start by, maybe you can go ahead and just introduce yourself and maybe how long you've been part of the Hope community. Um, so we'll just go down the road and then you can go ahead and introduce yourself, yeah? Um, yeah, hi, I'm Cleo. Um, I originally joined Hope in 2019 after graduating, mm -hmm. but then pandemic hit and whatnot. Um, and so then I went back home for like a year and some months and mm -hmm. I recently came back to Hope, so I guess all in all, like, less than a year. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, well, thanks. Hi, my name is Laura, and this is Ryan. Everybody say hi, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> and we've been here for two-ish years. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, yeah, awesome. <laughs> thanks, guys. Now, here's the thing. Like, I know that, um, honestly, you three are people that I have great respect and admiration for. And honestly, you guys bring so much life to whatever room that you enter. If you've ever had a chance to know these three, they're just really fun, gregarious like folks. And uh, many people may not know some of your stories of grief and suffering, though. And um, I would just love to hear just whether recently or even throughout your lives, like just some experiences where you've um, experienced the pain of suffering and grief. Um, and what that's been like for you and just trying to find joy in the midst of that. Yeah, um, so as I mentioned, I left the city right around the pandemic. Um, so it was April of 2020. Um, it was um, the day before my 23rd birthday and I got a call and I honestly thought it was my mom just wishing me a happy early birthday because it was 11 p.m. here and I was like, yeah, she's on it. <laughs> um, and so when I picked up, um, the first words were, Cleo, don't panic. And I'm like, okay, I'm panicking. <laughs> um, and she let me know that my dad had taken his own life and honestly, it was completely unexpected, as you would imagine. Like, my head was like trying to wrap around COVID and the start of quarantine and work from home. And I was worrying about a lot of things, but I did not think that this would be one of them. Um, so, yeah, that day when I got the call, I hopped on a flight back home. And then a year and some months later, I finally came back to New York. Um, but yeah, this past like year and a half has been tremendously difficult, um, for sure, <laughs> the hardest season um, I've been through. But I think um, throughout it, um, joy still persists nonetheless. Um, I guess we'll like talk more about it later or whatever. But um, yeah, I, I guess just Spoiler alert, like God has been good and kind and gracious 
to me and my family throughout it all. Um, and so, like, as you mentioned, like, joy is not only the absence of suffering, um, it's presence of something so much greater, um, the presence of the Holy Spirit and God in our life. Um, but, yeah. Mm. Thank you, Cleo. And if you've not heard her sing, she's amazing. Um, yes, so, yeah, probably the, one of the most significant times of just, yeah, pain, suffering. It was about a span of three years. We had just gotten married, and the day after our one-year wedding anniversary, my dad called me and said, Laura, Ryan's been in a car accident. You need to get to the hospital. And I had just gotten a new phone, so that's why it's just, it was a struggle to get in touch with me. But um, I was like, which hospital? We lived in Dallas at the time, so you can only imagine. And he's like, I don't know. You should get to the hospital. So um, long story short, Ryan had been a rock hauler, had pulled a big construction vehicle, had pulled out in front of Ryan, and he hit it going head on and um, been extricated from the car, care flighted to the head, head trauma center in Dallas, about 45 minutes away from where we lived. And um, yeah, over the span of a month, so December 19th till you know, mid-January, Ryan would stay in ICU. I would live at the hospital, sit in the ICU waiting room most of the time. Um, he would go through surgeries and his lungs collapsed and he was intubated and he was put in an induced coma. And I mean, all through Christmas, I remember somebody bringing me like a little Charlie Brown Christmas tree to the waiting room to decorate, which was really special. But, um, and then he got out, was in a wheelchair for about six weeks. So I had, I mean, that was a very quick, like, you know, through sickness and in health. Like, we're, I mean, lifting him into everything and getting everywhere. And then, um, and over the next several years, we would end up having two miscarriages as well. So it was kind of one of those, like, I just didn't really see any light in any, I mean, I was super grateful that he was still alive. That was a huge um, gift, but it still was that, like, oh, I'm going to turn and there's going to be something else. So, yeah. Um, who knows if it was from that or just in general, I feel like for the last probably 10, 15 years of my life, I feel like I've struggled off and on in different seasons um, with just simply depression and anxiety and the loneliness even that comes from that because you do feel so isolated in the midst of it. Um, so it's it, it's one of those pain and sufferings that maybe it you know doesn't happen in the moment and, and an incident that we can look back to, but it kind of sneaks up on you and it's like, you know, where did this come from? And um, so that's been one of those things I think that has been has been difficult to wrestle through the ups and downs of that um, over the last several years. It's kind of that dull, nonstop kind of struggle. Mm. What would you guys say, because I know that in a lot of, again, Christian settings or even religious settings, like it's, there's one extreme of we should be happy all the time and then, or, or else, you know? And, and yet you guys have walked through this idea of the intermingling or how to hold on to both of these things, that you're grieving, you're in the midst of um, pain and suffering and trial, but there's also this clinging to joy. Could you guys just... Share maybe what that's looked like in your own life, like to hold on to both of those things and to manage that tension. Yeah. Um, 
I saw a quote somewhere once, but it said like, happiness is a reaction to something great, but joy is the product of someone great. And I think that's very much true. Um, like, I think we are very lucky that having joy is not dependent on ourselves. And, and I was, throughout this whole season, I was constantly reminded that like, joy isn't dependent on who I am or what my circumstances are, but rather on who Jesus is. And I think I've just been kind of like trying to cling on to this truth throughout that time um, because, I mean, as a Christian, we're not promised like a suffering-free life. Like, in fact, it's the opposite, but we are promised that like God would be there for us through it all like through the shadow of the valley of death and just like through all this difficulty, um, like God would be there. And so I think, yeah, just really relying on the spirit, honestly, because there's a reason why it's called like fruits of the Holy Spirit, like love, joy, and peace. And you mentioned like last week in the sermon about shalom and how it's not just the absence of conflict, but the presence of like flourishing and all the stuff that God had intended for us. And it's coming from the spirit and him. And so I very much feel it's the same with joy. It's beyond circumstances. And so that's kind of how I've been trying to wrestle and hold the tension between the two. Well, um, goodness, where do I begin? So I'm an Enneagram one. Um, I tell you that because I tend to think there's a right way to do certain things. So I guess what it's taught me over the last, you know, 20 years or so is that there's really not a right way to grieve. There's not a right way to process. There's not a right, like, it's messy. I call it the messy middle. Um, It's kind of the phrase I've started using in the last couple of years of, like, holding both of those things because, and had to really allow myself grace in the midst of it Um, because I've seen other people walk through things and I've seen them like come out like I'm like wow like that was really great you know and then there's and I I just didn't feel that sometimes and I've you know even if it was in journaling you know like I think I probably thought oh there's a right way to do this you know and there's not and so I've learned to give myself grace in the midst of that I think the thing that I held on to especially during his accident Somebody brought up my, my Bible, like my physical Bible, because um, this was in like 2005, so I didn't have an iPhone. I'm like really aging myself here, but um, anyways, so I would just, yeah, I would open up to the Psalms and just read, and I think the thing that I started to notice is that David would be like, oh God, you're so great, all these things, and then it's like, but you did this to me, or like, I'm now in this space. And I was like, wow, like, it really says, like, I yelled out to God. Somebody sent me that from the message version, and it was like, literally, I yelled out to God in my distress. And I was just kind of like, where are you? And then you read about Jesus. He's going, Father, where are you, you know, in the midst of this? So I think the, the scripture helped, like, anchored me, but then just giving myself grace to kind of go back and forth, but then learn to hold both. Um, Laura has certainly held both, I think, better than I certainly have in the past. I feel like I've actually struggled more trying to hold both at the same time. Um, I quickly lose perspective really easily, and I kind of get in a hole. 
in the midst of it. But I, I do think faith has had a significant part to play in helping walk me through the, the suffering and the pain and the struggle. And um, I think more than anything, just simply faith in the person of Jesus, and by that, not necessarily in all the things that he did for us, which are really, really significant, but just simply that, um, you know, at the end of the day, Jesus also taught us how to be human, and that this pain and suffering is actually a very real part of the human experience and the human life, and yet, I know oftentimes we don't necessarily talk about it as much. It's you know, it's, we, we kind of push it down and we put on the right face or the right kind of dress or just to make sure that everybody thinks we're okay rather than simply acknowledging that this is a very real part um, of life and this is a very real experience. So I think maybe the, that faith component that, um, that this is part of being human and that he is experienced to the same degree anything that I have personally experienced and I, I do think that has provided me little glimpses of joy throughout the midst of it. And um, yeah, it certainly hasn't gotten rid of it, the pain, but it certainly allowed you know, the sustaining factor in the midst of it. Mm, yeah. What would you guys say, like, in terms of, you know, people here, the reality is whether you're a Christian or you're not, everyone's gonna encounter suffering or difficulty at some points. Some might be a surprise at different moments. Um, what would you say has been most helpful to you in the midst of the grief that you've carried? Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, kind of echoing what Laura mentioned earlier, there's like no one right way to grieve. I think grieving is a very like individual process and journey and it looks different for everybody. Um, and so like, for example, like even with journaling, like I did journal, like I brought it in case I wanted to like reference something that I wrote back then. Um, like for my sister, she's like very disciplined. She's really good and she like does it every single day. And for me, it was different. Like I journaled when I had just like, like an outpouring that I needed to write something down. And so it could be like once a week, it could be once every three months, it's just random. And so I think there's no like necessarily a formula, but, um, Another thing that really helped was <clears throat> finding people to lean on. Um, there's, like, I think when I went through this, I suddenly had the people in my life where I knew that they had, they were the right people to go to. Mm -hmm. Like, we weren't necessarily besties or whatever, but, like, th for some reason, I knew in my heart that they could understand what I was going through and that they could support me. And so it was like great to have people in my life to lean on and to be able to just be honest and real and share what was going on in my life. And also for them to be able to be intercessors and pray on my behalf because in the beginning I was mad. <laughs> I was so mad at God and I could not bring myself to pray, to read the Bible or anything. And so it was super helpful to have people in my life that could do it on my behalf and pray for me when I didn't have the strength or the words to pray for myself. Mm. That's really good. Oh, goodness. Um, yeah, so I, I did journal a little bit in the midst of all of that. And I do think it's good to just get your thoughts out because I don't, I tend to be kind of a just 
get your head down and get through something. And I don't always process it in the space in between. It's more on the, the other side. The hindsight's 2020, and I'm like, oh, okay, you know. And but it's it's nice to be able to go back to some of those things and, and to see what was kind of coming out um, and surfacing. Um, and then I would echo just people because you know there's a scripture that says that that you know God will not give us more than we can handle. And there have been moments in my life that I was like, that's crap. Um, because I feel like I'm literally under a rock and I can't lift anything up and I don't really, yeah, even know what's in front of me. So someone, had, um, a pastor friend had mentioned that, that that's more of like it's in community. It's what the community around us can handle with God. And so, um, yeah, it was people in the midst of that space that would, Yes, pray for me and help me, but they would also just go, let's go for a walk. Like, let's just do something else. Or say, I remember um, it was one of your nurses that was with us the whole time, but I remember her just going, you need to just go home and take a nap. Like, go home to your actual home. And I was like, no, 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 I can't leave. And, you know, family going, it's okay, we'll be here with them, but you just need to sleep. So I I would say... um, I knew that, yeah, that God was in the midst of those things. Like, looking back on it, going, he sent all these different, you know, people our way. Um, you know, I, I'd probably just simply piggyback on a little bit that what has already been said. I had a, a good friend tell me at one point, you know, um, every opportunity you have, be vulnerable with the people that have earned it. And um, uh, New York is a really hard place. Very rarely do we let anybody have any sort of glimpse into our weaknesses because maybe there's a slight fear, at least in me, that then they'll get ahead of us or they'll like use it against us or, or whatever it might be. And so in that aspect, it's really hard in this city. And this city is, to some degree or another, very isolating from time to time. Um, it, but all that to say, I, I do feel like it has been so important to try to choose authenticity and vulnerability with folks because really, I mean, as we all know, I mean, this is just three. I, I would imagine if we would ask anybody in here, they can be like, oh, I had this experience or, oh, I'm struggling with this or, oh, I have this pain. And so it, it does a little bit kind of allow you a chance to have a deep breath um, and say, okay, it isn't just me. It's, it's really actually all of us. And we're all wrestling with something or we're all walking through something. And um, that has brought a sense of, of joy and strength to say, okay, I'm not alone. Um, it, it's not just me in this season. Yeah. Now, and on the flip side, what would you guys say about what has not been helpful? <laughs> you know, in the midst of grief and joy and trying to lean in and integrate it all? <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, yeah, that's tough. I think Before I lost my dad, I had never personally experienced loss before. Um, And I honestly did not know what to do when like people around me experienced it because it's hard to know what to do unless you've been on the other side. And even being on the other side, sometimes you still struggle to find the words because every situation is different and no one can truly understand what that individual person is going through. Um, so I don't blame people that don't know what to do because honestly, I was that person until April, 2020. Um, but I think it was tough 
in terms of like things that didn't help, right? <laughs> when people would kind of just like throw scripture at you and be like, Bible says this and like, he will wipe away every tear and like all this stuff. And it's like, yeah, of course. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's like, sometimes you, when you're in that headspace, like you don't want to hear it. And maybe if deep down, you know that scripture is true, it doesn't, sometimes it doesn't help in that specific moment. And also when people were like, yeah, like I lost this person. Like I totally get what you're going through. And sometimes that kind of made me upset because mm -hmm. I was like, do you though? <laughs> like, do you actually understand? And so, and so like, it's tough, I think, um, to try, I found, to put the burden of healing on others mm -hmm. because healing and grieving is a process and journey that you unfortunately have to go through, mm -hmm. not necessarily alone, but at the end of the day, it's your journey. And in the beginning, I was struggling because I kept being like, I kept putting the burden on others and being like, they're Christian, why aren't they saying or doing the right things to help me feel better? When that's completely unfair because it's tough. And so I realized like I can't, again, like try to deflect and put the grieving process onto others and help have them do it for me. Um, and so once I kind of changed that mentality, um, I had, I think, a better perspective on how to like approach the people in my life. Yeah, I, I think I would just say what was not helpful was the same as you were saying, Cleo, just throwing scripture at people. But I would also say don't try to fix it um, for somebody. And just it's, it's, we have to just make space. Um, we have to make space for the Holy Spirit. We have to make space for their process. We, we just need to make space for their emotions and just be with. You know, it says Emmanuel, God with us. And, you know, yes, God knows way more than we all know about even our own selves or others, but just be with people. And, you know, something that we talk a lot about in, in things that ministries that we've, we've led is really ask the Holy Spirit what is good news for these people right now. If they can't find good news or joy, what, what is something, and it literally may be something as simple as, yes, I remember somebody, like, finally, I had not gotten out of that hospital at all, because I was just, I didn't want to leave him, and I remember a friend just going, hey, Lord, we're just going to walk, we'll, we'll walk just around the hospital, we don't have to go far, they have your number, I'm just going to take you for a walk, get out in the sunshine, and that, you know, that was good news for me then. Um, so I just, I would say, trust your own relationship with God. Trust that the Holy Spirit knows what they need even before they know that they need it. And also trust that you're learning to listen to the Holy Spirit to what could be good news for them in those moments. Um, I know it sounds kind of strange, but one of the things I don't think helped was just simply my church upbringing. Um, it, it didn't do me any favors when I started feeling in the mid, like that I was struggling. Um, you know, from one to 20, I think there were very few opportunities that I remember were similar to this, that there was a group of people sharing or normalizing just simply the pain and the suffering and the struggle. Um, there was such stigma around 
you know, depression and anxiety, you know, in at least at that time of my life. Um, and so you just didn't want to talk about it. There was a stigma around counseling. And, you know, it's one of the things I love about New York is that stigma is not as present. I love that for myself. I love that for my kids. You know, people have counselors. Dogs have counselors here. I mean, <laughs> it's like nonstop. Um, and so I'm grateful that that's not there. But there was so much stigma and shame, even within the context of church. Um, or that there was a disconnect between my own spirituality and the pain that I was feeling or that I was less than or there was something wrong in my spirit because I was struggling with, you know, X, Y, and Z. And so I think even today I'm still trying to separate some of that um, and trying to remember and actually reflect on really that those were things that actually Jesus did not avoid, but where there was pain and struggle and suffering that actively throughout the Gospels he's taking steps near those things. Um, not away from or hiding or pushing to the side, but actually, you know, getting as close to those things as possible. And that, on the flip side, has been incredibly helpful to know that in the midst of my struggle and my pain, like Jesus is actively taking steps towards me in the midst of that. Mm. You know what's so interesting about Jesus is that, yeah, like in all the healing episodes, it's not like he uses the same five-step formula each time. Instead, each person, there's this unique approach, and it's like this spirit-led approach that you were talking about, Laura, you know? And Cleo, you were saying that. It's, it's, everyone has their own customizable journey, and Jesus is so sensitive to that, it sounds like. Um, this will be the last question for you all. I would just love to hear, what have you learned about God and yourself in the process? And you might still be in the process. I know that, um, Cleo, one of the things that you've mentioned is that grief is such a process, and it's still something we'll continually go through. Um, we just love to hear, what have you learned about God and yourself? Yeah, um, I, like during this time, I feel like I learned a lot <laughs> about God. Um, I feel like through like every season of life, like we continue to learn more about God's character and who he is and who he is in the Bible is who he is in real life and around us and it is true. And so... Like, I remember growing up, I would, like, read all these verses that at first, like, didn't really mean too much to me. It was just a verse that I had read, like, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Or, like, the Lord um, sustains the fatherless and the widow. And these verses that I had known from, I guess, a knowledge standpoint, but not truly known in my heart. And so... As I entered into the season, suddenly, like all these things came like flying, <laughs> like to to the front of my mind, being like, "Wow, like these things are true and real in ways I hadn't even understood." Um, and so I think I've learned a lot more than I can share right now, <laughs> but I've learned a lot just about the goodness of God and how faithful He is even amidst suffering and just truly how important it is to rely on the spirit for this beyond circumstantial joy. And yeah, again, before this, I hadn't really fully appreciated what like fruits of the Holy Spirit meant, but just love, joy, and peace are truly those things. Um, and in terms of about myself, <clears throat> um, I was thinking about it and I think I realized that I can't do it alone. Um, like, to be candid, like, throughout my faith journey, I'd always been a little bit proud of the fact that, like, 
I was pretty, I felt pretty steadfast no matter what. And I was like, I don't necessarily need like community and like a lot of like, or whatever, like my relationship is with God. I'm grounded in him. And so I always felt like I could just go at it alone. But this season, I was like, wow. <laughs> I was like, even though I thought I could and that I was strong enough in my faith to be able to weather any storm by myself and God, like the importance of community was really shown to me and just the blessings that we received from the people around us and also just the support and trying to get through the storm um, was something that definitely um, I learned during this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I remember even the night of your accident, I, I just, there's so many things going on in my head. And because of my upbringing and learning about just the sovereignty of God, um, like, I literally thought, like, God, like, took that rock collar and, like, put it in front of Ryan's car. I mean, that's basically how, like, I'd grown up. And I remember these one of these one of the pastors we worked for. He's like, Laura, now you know, like God didn't cause that to happen. And I don't know, like it, I think my mind was like, oh my gosh, yeah, you're right. Like we just live in a very fallen and broken world, and bad things happen, unfortunately. But it doesn't mean that God doesn't redeem those things. And I think it's taught me that God is in the business of renewing all things. That. He's in the business of redeeming those things, making beauty from ashes. And we don't always feel it in the midst of it. Again, I'm a post-processor, so it's usually on the other side that I start to just kind of see, like, the tapestry that God was weaving and how he was near and how he did carry me. And um, I think just that God was good because, I mean, after that second miscarriage, I was really, I was very angry. I just couldn't understand how a good father could, like, snatch, you know, something that I wanted so desperately. And that took me on a on a journey of helping me understand some of it. But just that God, now being, I think, a parent, I just know when they go through hard things that I, you know, can't make not happen, um, there's things that, that, that I know God is doing in the midst to mature, refine. You think about like gold, like the way that gold is purified is it's this metal that's put through really hot fire, but it comes out purified. So I learned that God was good and I learned that God would redeem all things, the broken things, and would make them beautiful again. Um, yeah. I think I'm still learning a lot about myself in the midst of all of this. Um, I, I think with each struggle and each difficulty, the digger I deep, it's shown me a bit of where my misplaced value is. Like the value, how I see myself is not necessarily based on the struggle or the situation or something that's wrapped up in that and that it's actually in who God is. Um, I think also, you know, um, I, I think my tendency is to put on and look like I have it all together um, in any instance. Um, and I, th- I'm thankful that what I'm learning is I don't necessarily have to, to have that. And then me actually not having it all together is very redemptive for other people, um, it, as well. And I think for, you know, what I'm learning about God is that, um, I'm actually learning that I, I know less about God than I thought I did. Um, and I'm less sure of, of God than maybe not of God, but uh, I think I had everything in a box and him in a box and kind of had figured him out, you know, 15 years ago. And I'm realizing there's a lot of mystery there 
and I just don't understand a lot. But at the same time, um, I, I do think I, I have a deep love and trust for him in the midst of this. Um, I think it's hard too as a, as a husband and as a dad and walking through some of the struggles of you know, depression or anxiety, you worry, you know, it's the whole phrase of like, you know, hurt people hurt people. You realize your inadequacy in the areas of where you're failing potentially other people in the midst of your hurt. And um, I think I am I'm learning that um, to trust God and that He is trustable, that I know that He is filling the gaps and, and then more so than um, with family in the midst of my, you know, difficult times. So, um, so I'm grateful for that, that He is consistent and present and I, I can put more and more trust in Him. Although at times I feel like I, I understand Him less and less. Mm -hmm.